So it's me, it's your host, and for this news episode, your anchorman, Darren Wade. And today I'm joined with, of course, Mr. Xbox Games Pass himself, Luke Maycock. What's Luke. up, what's up, Darren? How's it going? What's up, man? Oh, you seem to be ready to give the news, Luke. I'm full of energy and full well, we, beans. We're going to have to be because it's just you and me. So unfortunately, Chris, <laughs> was, uh, Chris wasn't feeling too well today, uh, which doesn't bode well for news item number three, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Okay. Because you and me will have no idea what to say about that one. But I thought I'd ask, it's, it's been a week, it's been a hot minute, Luke, since we were here, you and I. Uh, how's your week been? What have you been up to? What have you been playing? Yeah, my week's been okay. Uh, games-wise, it's a bit weird. Uh, I did finally uninstall League of Legends. I've decided to start caring for myself again. Good, good. <laughs> so I got rid of that game. And instead, I'm punishing myself with Jump King. So that was a pretty p- quick switch. Uh, no, I've just been... I haven't been playing a whole lot, to be honest. I did a bit of Cyberpunk as well. I like to hop back and forth between games and just play whatever I'm feeling at the time. How is your progress going in Cyberpunk? Good, good. So I had got to a stage where I've beaten every side mission and every handler mission, which took like 30 or 40 hours. Um, and I just hadn't progressed the story on at all. And now that I'm progressing the story on, I'm finding there's new side missions all the time. And they're really fun and they're really fleshed out. And yeah, I'm loving it. As always, I'm really enjoying Cyberpunk Good. as a finished game. Good. Yeah, as a finished game. Like the, yeah. Yeah, That's the... That's the, the, the the sidebar on that one. Um, so I'm quite nervous about this episode, Luke, uh, it as it requires a lot of reading, a lot of article reading. And just the other day, I uh, bit the inside of my face, <laughs> okay. and it's it swelled up. You know, when you like you eat the inside of your face, and it swells up, and then you be, habitually become more susceptible to just biting it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the front of my lip, and I'm like looking at all these articles I got to read for the news, and I'm like, oh, if I bite my lip today, it's gonna be so sore. You want that I mean, just even thinking about it, it's going to be sympathy <laughs> pains. That's where I'm struggling. But Luke, we had, because, you know, as part of our, just do some housekeeping before we get into things. Mm. Uh, as part of our uh, new tier on Patreon, <gasps> one of the things we said we'd do was that there'd be shout outs for new patrons. Oh, yeah. And lo and behold, since our release last week, Luke, we have a new patron. Ooh. Welcome, Leo. Thank you for uh, your contribution towards the Gift of Gaming podcast and our content. Uh, so, you know, for those of you who don't know or who aren't aware, we do have a Patreon where you can access bonus episodes, the post shows. Myself and Luke will be doing a post show today, possibly talking about our superhero powers we'd most like to have. Uh, you can access that uh, by going to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming. Um, and with that, you get early access to these these episodes. Uh, we're doing a review of Hogwarts Legacy later on this month. And as a patron, you'll get uh, early access to listen to that episode as well. On top of that, you get access to our uh, Discord community, which Chris is going to be working on. But he's sick today, so I don't think that's going to get worked on today. <laughs> and then on top of that as well, you get a shout out. So welcome, Leo. Thank you so much for becoming the very first patron as well. It's, it's a big moment. You he'll, know? Never, he'll never not be the first patron of yeah, this yeah. podcast. That's so cool. I, yeah. I love that. Thank yeah, you, if we ever become huge, it'll be like, well, Leo started that ball rolling, you know. So thank you, Leo. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's that. Uh, again, for those of you who are just kind of joining the Gift of Gaming podcast and aren't familiar with us, each and every week we do a new topic uh, for a show, and it could be the anything's and everything's of the video game industry. Uh, we also do post shows, and we're hoping to do uh, game reviews in our Gift of Gaming club, which will kind of happen as and when we see fit with certain games. So this month's Hogwarts Legacy. We've all been playing it for about, uh, I'd say about three, four weeks now. And we're kind of getting close enough to the time where we can all hit, hit up that review. 
and uh, as well that we do news episodes at the end of every month. Now, this might seem like it's a week into March, <laughs> but my spidey sense was tingling, Luke. We got to the end of February, and we were going to record our episode, our February news episode, before the end of February. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we didn't, because on the 28th of February, we got some big news. And God damn it, do I wish Chris was here <laughs> <laughs> to talk, <laughs> about, talk about that big news. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a little bit. So, yeah, so listen, on today's February news, we got a couple of lineups. We got Nintendo Switch becoming the third best-selling console. We got a Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater remake, Ooh. potentially in the works. Like that. Uh, Elden Ring DLC announced February 28th. Ooh. You know, so there's, there'll be a lot of fans happy to happy to have that. Uh, Zelda for you know Tears of the Kingdom selling for 70 euro Ugh. on well 70 dollars. I think it'll be 60 euro, maybe 60 pounds. I'll have to double check on the articles. Yeah. Uh, but basically, 10. 10 yo-yos of whatever your currency is more expensive than normal for your Zelda game. And then Apple TV Plus is uh, making and releasing a Tetris movie, yeah. which we'll I watched a trailer for and, you know, I'm hyped. We'll get to that. We'll yeah, get to we'll that. get to it. Yeah. yeah. So I guess Luke, we'll start off on our first news story of the week. And this Great is, place to start. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Way better than the middle one we know nothing about. Um, <laughs> so Nintendo Switch in February uh, became the third best-selling console of all time ever. Let's so this article comes from Ryan Dinsdale at IGN.com mm-hmm. and it reads as follows. And I hope to God I don't bite my lip. The Nintendo Switch has now sold 122.55 million units, surpassing the PlayStation 4 and Game Boy to become the third best-selling video game console of all time. The figure was revealed in Nintendo's third quarter earnings report, which also announced that 994.3 million units of Switch software have now been sold. Having passed 122.55 million units, the Switch now sits behind just the Nintendo DS at 154 million units and the PlayStation 2 at 159 million units sold. Despite the impressive number, up to 8 million from November, Switch sales declined by 21.3% from 2001 when it sold 18.95 million units in the first three quarters, compared to 2022's 14.91 million units. Uh, 5.2 million of these uh, were the original Nintendo Switch, 7.69 million were the OLED model, and 2 million were the Nintendo Switch Lite. Uh, Nintendo admitted that the impact of the semiconductor and other component shortages that have plagued the hardware market for the last two years were resolved for this holiday season, but noted that 2021, the, the 2021 year saw the launch of the OLED model, which could be a reason for increased sales. So Nintendo's earnings report also revealed that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have sold 18 million units, crossing into the Switch's 10 mm. best-selling games of all time, Jeepers. which I did not think was where they'd end up. So like, my question to you is, straight off the bat, does the Switch have it in it to become the number one best-selling console of all time? Oh, great question. Oh, that's a great question. Because the Nintendo Switch just turned six years old, not yep. that long ago. And there is all this kind of hype and hubbub and talk about a, a Switch 2. I think the way Nintendo has poised themselves over the past couple of years and the way they kind of the way they rolled out the OLED model and stuff like that, um, I still think there's room for what would be a Switch Pro. And I don't think they have to upgrade it. I don't think they have to call it the Switch 2 or anything like that or go for their next gen of consoles just yet. I think Nintendo are sitting pretty and the model is working for them. So, yeah, I think the number one spot could be theirs. I mean, so what are they on? They're on 122. They've got 37 million more units to sell. I mean, the PlayStation 2, I find that amazing that the PlayStation 2 still holds that and has held it for so long. Yeah. Like, what a fantastic console. I mean, if you had to ask me, I'd say it's probably up there in my... Up there in my top spots, mm-hmm. some of my favorite games, again from my youth, and it was affordable. 
kind of accessible and a big jump in technology at the time as well. But I mean, the Switch, I mean, people are kind of from my kind of listening to the, you know, the goings on in the gaming industry. And I say listening, I'm just, I'm just reading articles and, and, and podcasts. I have no insight here. Uh, this is just a dude pretending he knows what's going on. Um, people are crying out for the Switch 2 or the next model. But I guess if it's the Switch yeah. 2, that puts the Switch done where it's at, give or take. But the Switch Pro, as you said, as yeah. a model, is still essentially just the Switch. So they could... I think they could still yeah. milk it. They could still... Because the OLED Switch still cancels the Switch. And that's essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. There is a market for the Switch Pro. That's pretty much what people... Are, like, people want a better switch they love the switch like it's working it works don't fix it uh, they just want it to be better like they want to be able to play slightly better fidelity games on it mm-hmm. but yeah the switch works man and the two things that it's trying to catch up with you're talking about it's done 122 million units in six years yeah and those two consoles are completely out of distribution so their numbers aren't going up so i think i think well, we'll see i think it's definitely possible i think it I think it could definitely catch the DS, whether it catches number one spot and dethrones the PlayStation 2. That'd be interesting. I'm surprised, you know, it's funny that the Nintendo DS is up there. Um, I, another question for you. Yeah. yeah. I did mention it in the article, but maybe you didn't listen. But if you, or you didn't hear, not to say, not to say you wouldn't listen to me when I'm talking, Lou. <laughs> um, but if you had to pick the number four and five slot, who, who do you think's there? Oh yeah, the no. Top five. Oh, is this a pop quiz? Is this the? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you listen to my article? <laughs> I may have heard that the four and five spot were PlayStation Four and the Game Boy. Nice, very good. Yes, that's exactly it, and that's what I mean to say. With the PlayStation Four, I don't have the actual figures here at all, um, but the Switch overtaking the PlayStation Four, regardless if it never gets up there to the PlayStation Two with the Nintendo DS, for me is a massive deal. I think the PlayStation Four was huge for playstation if you're talking about the battle of the consoles yeah. playstation 4 wipe the floor with everybody and and then in a time i think when technology moves so quickly i think you've got a less less of a chance to really stake your claim in this top five because you know the, the nintendo ds is up there and people were buying nintendo ds's for years also tiny handheld and very easily accessible yeah but even when the 3ds came out and even when the Switch came out, DSs were still being sold. Yes. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like that was like the PlayStation 2 back in its heyday as well. Even though the PlayStation 3 was out, PlayStation yeah. 2 was still doing numbers. For you know? years and years afterwards, yeah. And they were still releasing PS2 versions of every game. Like yeah. every game came out would come out on, there'd be a, a PS2, a PS3, and sometimes a PSP version of the game as well all ah, at once. the PSP. I know. That's my, my baby. Um, basically, the end part, Nintendo's earnings report also revealed that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have sold 18 million units crossing into the Switch's 10 best-selling games of all time. Does that surprise you? Oh, um, no, because it's Pokemon, and Pokemon prints money. We know this very well. Um, but I just wish the bad games didn't print money. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's just the franchise is so bloody successful, like everything they do with it. And it's I think their success is so far removed from the games. Like it's in it's in merchandising and it's in branding and it's like how they get it out there, like how they run their business, how the Pokemon company runs their business Mm -hmm. and how they work with Nintendo translates to game sales. Uh, You know, and this was pushed like a triple A title. Like even though we see how it performs, we see the console that comes out on on the Switch. Um, I think that even talks a little bit to the potential of the Switch to get the number one spot because, you know, you have a title that's just come out, Scarlet and Violet, and they made a push for it as if it was like a triple A game, like like uh, well, Cyberpunk's a bad example, um, but like uh, both like, games are broken. Yeah, both games are broken. Day, day one, um, 
but it's it's this idea that like they the switch will release a game that just can't have the same level of fidelity as a triple a game on xbox playstation and pc yeah and it will do insane sales still today like the relevancy is 100 percent still there the switch's numbers may have flagged since the chip shortage got resolved and since the hype over the switch oled petered off but you know the console is still super relevant still releasing games that are that people are paying for in in buckets so yeah i think that could speak a little bit to its its longevity but no it doesn't surprise me it's the pokemon company what about you what about you does it surprise uh i guess no i wish it did surprise me (laughs) i wish it did because i don't think it's that when you think of the other titles in there the mario kart 8 the zelda yeah um like the real and you know i think probably some other pokemon games like sword and shield are probably up there as well i don't have the list in front of me but i'd assume sword and shield made it into that top 10 as well sword and shield i still i think when we talked about it on the pokemon episode i still think sword and shield's a bit of a you know a baby game like in terms of holds your hand but i think it's a better quality pokemon game hmm. than scarlet and violet i like what they tried to do but they didn't all of the things that they tried to do as brave as they were i think you know, by talking to Craig and stuff like that, it sounds like they failed on most of them. Maybe fail is a strong word. It sounds like they need a lot of work on all of those aspects, but you created a game that was, you know, a bit janky, a bit empty, uh, a bit lifeless. And they've got the DLC coming out, and maybe it's one of those things that over time they can improve the the, the, the quality of the game. Um, but I just don't think, you know, we like, you think of such great Nintendo lineups, I don't like the idea that there's a really crappy pokemon game in there and it's just (laughs) that thing it's like it's the new one so it does well because it's new it's the next one it's the next gen one it's whatever whatever way you want to coin it but the idea that that could be in there beating the likes of i mean i don't even know if animal crossing is still in the top 10 after the whole 2020 (laughs) pandemic but uh, i hope it is because i think animal crossing in like how that came to be and what it did deserves to be in there i don't think it's as good as like the mario Odysseys. I don't think it's as good as the Mario Kart. I don't think it's as good as the Zeldas. But I think it's got. It has its place in that top ten. To me, Scarlet and Violet doesn't shouldn't have that spot. Yeah, and I, I I'm pretty sure. I'm just going to double check really quickly here, but I'm pretty sure Animal Crossing is either number two or number. Yeah, it's number two. Amazing. Uh, with forty one point five nine million units sold, so it's not too far behind Mario Kart. So really quickly going down the list, number one, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Number two, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate with 30 million copies. Number four is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild with 29 million copies. Uh, Then number five, Sword and Shield. Six, Mario Odyssey. Seven, Sword and Shield also. I guess that's the... Wait, what? One of them is Sword and the other is Shield, is it? That would be mad. Oh my God, because then combined they'd have 45 million. That can't be right. Okay. Uh, and then we have Super Mario Party, Super Mario Party. God, that's number eight. Uh, Ring Fit Adventures, number nine. <laughs> Get fit, folks. And then Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee was the tenth one before. Uh, so yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not super surprising, but yeah, a lot of the top performers still performing really well for Nintendo. It just. It just. This whole thing kind of sings to the tune of Nintendo. Still very much knows what it's doing. Uh, yeah. They're playing the market the way they want to play the market. It's working for them. Yeah. Just stop getting your broken games in the top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Put good games in there. Animal Crossing, number two, you know. All right, so the next thing we've got, Luke, is Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater rumor, a remake about the rumor, right? And this is coming from, oh my God, I didn't write it down. Okay, I'm going to fix this at the end of the episode. You just bear with me. Uh, So I don't know who who published this and who wrote it, but I will find it out because this isn't ours. Uh, So this reads, uh, Konami is reportedly planning to make a big splash at E3 2023 with a new entry in the Castlevania series and a reveal for the long-rumoured Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater remake. 
Um, the company has yet to make any official announcement and further details on what these projects will offer are still hazy. Nonetheless, VGC believes fans can expect to see Konami have a booth at the mostly annual games conference. And I think that's just a nod to the fact that we haven't had it in a couple of years due to the mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, oh, this is the first mention of the project coming to E3 2023. This isn't the first time we've heard about Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater Remake. VGC reported on the unannounced title's alleged existence back in 2021, explaining that remasters for other games in the series were also on the way. The same report claimed that more Castlevania is on the way, and if the reports are accurate, it looks like Konami hasn't changed many plans in the last few years. However, VGC says today that it's, and this, is, this isn't obviously from today, this is sometime in February, but said in the past that it's less clear that we'll see those Metal Gear Solid remasters anytime soon. As of a year or two ago, um, that was in the plans. It's less clear now that they're, what they're going to do with that, VGC explained. I understand there's some debate about the way they should approach that. I would imagine that Metal Gear Solid 3, the remake, is going to be somewhat of a test bed for that. Uh, Konami's proper return to the gaming space is a, is a long time coming, but it won't start with a Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater remake or Castlevania, except for the Dead Cells return to Castlevania, which we saw on the Nintendo Direct there recently. Um, the publisher also recently held a big blowout showing for its Silent Hill, new Silent Hill game, which will receive a few new titles uh, in the near future. Those include a Silent Hill 2 remake from developer Blooper Team. The franchise will also see a major new installment in the form of Silent Hill F, though little is known about this title so far. Keep in mind that Konami have yet to make any official announcement regarding new Metal Gear Solid or Castlevania games, remakes or otherwise. However, it's clear that Konami wants to make a triumphant return to the gaming industry after largely taking a step back in 2015. Whether or not it will be successful remains to be seen, but there's no doubt that the publisher is doing its best to make a good impression. Stay tuned for more on Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater Remake and the next Castlevania, as we hopefully will get to hear more at E3 2023 this June. It's a bit of a mouthful there, but one of the things that is nice is that Konami coming back to the to the fold, because they disappeared to make, what was it, Pachinko Machines? <laughs> is that what they did? I think so. I, I could be wrong with that. Yeah. Tweet us at Gift of Gaming Pod. Uh, and let us know if we're wrong about that one. But I think that's uh, that's what they disappeared. I think it was far more lucrative than doing what yeah. they were doing. Kind of another reason why. Um, oh God, oh, kind of uh, Kojima, you know, went a separate ways and did his own thing because I guess maybe Konami weren't really putting the money on the table for new games. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm sure there's lots of game companies, like Japanese game companies, that do like siphon off a bit of their workforce to work on pachinko machines because there's huge money pachinko in japan it's such Mm -hmm. an industry um i'm sure they're still like doing game stuff at the same time but it's yeah it's 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 an interesting one what how how do you feel when you hear snake eater remake i mean for me it was my i think it was my favorite it's funny i've gone back to i went back to play it last year uh and it's hard it's hard to play it's a playstation 2 game do you know what i mean it's a little bit janky and it's old um but by far my favorite Metal Gear Solid game at the time. I love the story, Young Ocelot, all that kind of stuff was great. And I'd love to see it come back. I'd love to see it like hopefully um, kind of reboot the Metal Gear Solid series in a way that's a little bit more um, accessible because there is no way for me to play Metal Gear Solid games on my PS5 with the exception of, um, oh God, Metal Gear Solid 5, whatever that one was called. Phantom Pain. Phantom Pain, thank you. That was like fun to play, but story-wise was a hot mess. Uh, so I'd like to be able to play because I think the last time I was able to play Metal Gear Solid 1 or 2 they did a HD collector's edition that's right yeah for the PlayStation 3 so that wasn't even available on the PS4 Uh, that was a PlayStation 3 collector's edition thing uh, that my brother had so I was able to play them off that Um, 
but they haven't really made a return at all. So, I mean, look, if you could, like, if you could redo, like, if this was the beginning of a Metal Gear Solid reboot, essentially, because remaking games is all the, you know, it's in vogue right now. It's, it's all the, all the rage. That's the word I was looking for. So, like, if I could get Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater as a remake done in modern day graphics, it'd be amazing. And then get to see Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, then afterwards, you know, and 4. I loved 4. Uh, 4 was, I think, a great way to finish out the story but they, i think they lost themselves after that in terms of the storyline but um if you could give me a remake of metal Gear solid or a chance to reboot the the series i'd be well up for that i'd be well up for it because as much as i think hideo kojima is an amazing games developer i don't necessarily love his games i mean metal Gear solid aside you know the likes of death stranding didn't appeal to me whatsoever okay yeah but maybe with him off the team could they make something a little bit more coherent in terms of the storyline? Because much like Death Stranding, I think he's very into the fine art of Yo, side of video 100%. games. Yeah, if you listen to his podcast, you get that full force. <laughs> yeah, and like which I totally respect. But for me, yeah. when I was playing through Metal Gear Solid, the story got less and less important to me. And well, it made less and less sense as time went on as well. But if this was the, the way that Konami could come back into the fold and reboot Metal Gear, maybe make a new Metal Gear Solid game that is maybe less convoluted than it became, I'd be so up for that. I mean, a stealth game is go. It's still my all-time favorite. I used to play Siphon Filter and stuff when I was younger, but as and Hitman and things like that. But Metal Gear Solid for me is the absolute, the absolute jam. So I'd love to see that. Yeah. And can I be making a comeback? It's just cool anyway. Silent Hill games. Uh, I watched my brothers play when I was younger. Terrify the absolute shit out of me. So to get them back is going to yeah. be quite exciting as well. And um, and then the Castlevania stuff. I'm have no experience there, but a lot of our mates do. A lot of our mates are big yeah. into the Castlevania series as a whole. So to see that kind of coming back to life again would be quite good. Uh, have you ever played Metal Gear Solid games, Luke? So of- I, when I saw this in the in the the report before the show, uh, it killed me a little because Metal Gear Solid 3, much to the chagrin of everyone I tell this to, Metal Gear Solid 3 is like the only Metal Gear Solid game I haven't played. Now, you mentioned the HD remaster that they did mm-hmm. for um, the PS3. I actually got that on the PS Vita at the time. Nice. But and and that was when I was going to finally play Metal Gear Solid Three. I was really excited for it. But my Vita broke, and the back it had like a touch screen at the back that was kind of like the L two and R two kind of function. Okay. And that broke, which meant I couldn't actually interact with the eye. Like I couldn't control oh, yeah. my inventory. Yeah. And so I just couldn't play the game. Uh, so it's one that I've always wanted to play. I know it's everyone's favorite one in the series, but I have only played. I finished actually Metal Gear Solid One. I think might have been the first game I ever played all the way through. When I was a kid, I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, so that that's my history of Metal Gear Solid 1, Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, I played through, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to talk too much about that. Metal Gear Solid 4, played through, yeah. And Metal Gear Solid 5, I only got maybe halfway through. Yeah, like um, a fun, Metal Gear Solid 5 was so much fun to play, but story-wise, yeah. it was it was so bonkers. I, I, did, yeah. I cared not for what was going on around me, just to... It was a bit wild. Yeah, yeah, it was. And sorry, just that was uh, that was an article from The Escapist by uh, Michael nice. Kripe. Of course. Because, of course, you don't want to, you know, yeah. we're not here to plagiarize anything that's not ours. I just forgot to write it down. But I think the rest of my articles do have the uh, kudos in them. So, yeah, that's Metal Gear Solid. I think there's a lot of people out there that we know that are big fans of Metal Gear that, especially a Snake Eater, like, it's a smart move to do Snake Eater first because chronologically... It's the first one in the series. Yes, Phantom Pain yeah. might come before it. I don't know because I didn't care for what was actually going on in that <laughs> game. So I wasn't paying attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think so. Snake Eater is the early one. It's before. Like you're playing as, you know, Big Boss or whatever, essentially. Yeah. And, and, and Solid Snake comes later. So if you were to begin the reboot, Snake Eater is 
to me is the best place to start to get people into it and it's such an exciting game because it's it's like the stealth espionage style of game but in the jungle so it's a new you know we you do them all in the kind of the modern urban kind of uh, settings but i remember playing that game back when it came out and like just the the forestry the trees the foliage now having gone back to play it now it's an old game but back then i was like my god this is like i feel like i'm in a forest this is cool like i'm definitely kind of immersed in this whole like you know killing snakes and eat yeah, them yeah. hence the name <laughs> like Snake i was like this game eater. has everything so yeah i would love to see it i think it's a great move to do it with um snake eater uh as the first one like Solid three as the first one and hopefully like it would be cool to see something about it this june like a a, a trailer or a little teaser thing for yeah. like in production would be class a tech think? demo where you get the camera just slowly pans down into the forest foliage and you don't know what it is at first yeah and there's a snake slithering through and then a knife comes down through its head and the crowd loses their mind because yeah. they know it's snake eater it's the konami panel it's happening because and like it's the kind of you know i always think of like the uh, those e3 things back when final fantasy 7 remake was being made and the reaction from the audience to that finally happening now mm-hmm. i know there's not the same demand or hype around the likes of metal gear solid but i think that'd be a very exciting thing to be a part of and i'm excited for i'm just excited for konami to come back into the fold do you know what i mean like yeah. the snake eaters the silent hills i'm just looking through their list of games now like bomberman i mean Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> which i definitely played you know and a little bit of and it's just good to see them um making a comeback you know 2015 they kind of as as the article said they just kind of went off and did something else and uh i think that was in my opinion probably a big reason why we got the likes of uh, kojima studios and death stranding so if they never left you know if they didn't disappear for a while would that have ever been a thing would hideo kojima gone on to make more metal gears who knows but i I like this restart that they're planning i like that they're going to hit up e3 with some possible teaser trailers for a new Silent Hill or remakes of old Silent Hills and the Castlevania and all that type of stuff. So they're making, making the right moves, I think, to come back into it. This next article, though, Luke, <laughs> we're not going to be able to talk about at all. Chris, goddammit, way to get sick on the day Elden Ring gets a DLC announcement. But this comes from The Verge, uh, it's on the Elden Ring DLC from James Vincent. So we don't have a release date or any firm details about content for the hotly anticipated DLC, but it's a relief to all tarnished just to know what's coming. I'm assuming tarnish are the phrase given to people who play. That Those are the, the when the, you're, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> God damn it, Chris. <laughs> oh, Chris, yeah. where are you? Yeah. <laughs> Get over immediately. Okay, so one of 2022's biggest games, Elden Ring, is getting what looks to be its first major expansion. DLC content titled Shadow of the Erd Tree. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. A developer from Software announced in a tweet this morning that the DLC was officially under development, um, though the company did not share when we might expect a release. A short blog post confirmed the DLC will be coming to PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, and Steam. It also said that a follow-up report um, is still a little ahead. Uh, So we can hopefully expect more details sooner rather than later. Elden Ring DLC is hotly anticipated content for a number of reasons. Elden Ring has been a massive success, selling more than 20 million units worldwide, and From Software has a habit of releasing DLC for its titles within a year after a game's initial launch. Elden Ring was released February 25th last year, and so far the game has only received patches for balance and an update enabling better PvP in the game's coliseums. And this is coming from the actual Elden Ring Twitter. This is their actual announcement. Rise Tarnished and let us walk a new path together. An upcoming expansion for Elden Ring Shadow of the Erd Tree is currently in development. We hope you look forward to new adventures in the lands between. So we don't have any details about what story uh, about what story or content the Shadow of the Erd Tree might tackle. Just the name and the single image that was on the, the tweet that uh, Elden Ring put out. Uh, but for a game with such incredible and dense lore, these alone are enough to fuel weeks of speculation. Um... <laughs> 
You didn't play the, uh, Elden Ring, Luke, and I didn't play Elden Ring. <laughs> but this is good news for them, and this is good news from from, from software. They just keep they just keep nailing it. You know, yeah. a game of the year winner with hotly anticipated DLC. Yeah, it's 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 really nice to see from software are a company I've just ridiculous amounts of respect and admiration for uh they don't seem to miss when they release a game um maybe dark souls 2 is the the only one you can really put on <laughs> put on them for missing on yeah but uh it's no it's pretty sick and it's an exciting year for from software as well because they at the game awards uh back at christmas they did announce uh, armored core 6 yes. which is was such an exciting like return to return to form for them like it's it's like people were freaking out saying, oh my God, Armored Core. And now that they've made all those Souls games, it's going to be such a sick game. So we don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, what we do know a little bit, and this is a, a leak via Xputer. Xputer is okay, the, thank you, the new source. Uh, is that Armored Core 6 will have a release window of uh, September to October of this year. Mm-hmm. And so it's expe- so FromSoft have announced that they are going to prioritize Armored Core's release try and make that good so it seems like the dlc will be coming after that which so the speculation is probably around early 2024 Mm -hmm. and my guessing would be since like you said from software typically will release a dlc within a year of the game it could be like maybe february like exactly a year after the game comes out they release the dlc breathe massive amounts of new life into it that'd be that'd be two years right no no uh, because Elden ring came out february of 2020 we're in march right now right so what year did it come out I would assume it came out last year, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, sorry, you're totally right. 2022's sorry. biggest games, yes. So yeah, I guess it'd be so. Yeah, it'd be two years. Um, and yeah, that's that. Now this is that's kind of speculation. That's from you know just kind of following the timeline of Armored Core is looking for September October. They're probably going to release it after, or they've said they're going to prioritize Armored Core before Elden Ring DLC. Uh, so maybe late. Of yeah, this year, yeah, or and I, next year. I think as well is that it's still not 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 a bad timing for because Elden Ring is such a massively, just a massive game, like big open yeah. world game that there's plenty of hundreds of hours worth of content there for players. So I mean, I'm sure they're excited for DLC, but I don't think that Elden Ring as a game as a whole, by the sounds of things, having not played it, but by the sounds of things, it's not left people lost for content i'm sure now you know people are excited about it and they probably completed a lot of elden ring but yeah it's not too far off the, the beaten track you know i think when i look at other things we've got the dlc for horizon forbidden west coming out april this year and the game released in february of last year so they could be ahead um i mean that's kind of just over a year as well but like that that's that's grill that's all they're focusing on whereas you said with armored core they probably have a few things to get yeah. through first but that's exciting stuff there's a little um there's there's more on that um article but they're just talking about the picture and they're talking about who's who's riding the horse and <laughs> there's some names that i couldn't even pronounce in there so i was like i'm not even going to read that 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 part of the article this is Man, totally wasted on me. The, the souls games from software fans go so hard on the lore the youtuber yeah so that's what chris was, was talking to me about he said he'd love to do an episode on on uh, game lore and i think he was kind of saying all the f- from software games just the uh, people go crazy. ham yeah people go ham does the release of this dlc luke at all entice you to begin or go and get Elden Ring no I don't know I don't know why I haven't bit the Elden Ring thing because I love Bloodborne I love Souls like or sorry Souls likes I love Souls games mm-hmm. um uh, I haven't played two I think I've played one and three um and Bloodborne uh, I never got around to Sekiro I'd actually sooner play Sekiro Sekiro looks insane yes yeah um that looks so much fun uh yeah I don't know I just kind of 
I just, it's, it's in that category. I don't know if you do this, Darren, but sometimes when someone recommends me an amazing film, I go, great, that's really great. I'm going to like that. And I just store it away for a rainy day. I'm not going to make an effort to watch it now, but someday it'll cross my radar again and I'll go, you know what? No. Someday, Luke, Xbox Games Pass. So what? Someday. So Elden Ring will be on Xbox Games Pass. Do you have no excuse? Wait, is it already on Xbox Games Pass? No. Oh, surely. Surely not. Because then I just have Elden Ring. Then you have Elden Ring right now. Yeah. That'd be sick. Yeah. I'm going to look up Souls games on Xbox <laughs> Game Pass right now. You've made me so excited with that. What a blind spot. And while you're checking for that, Luke, I'll get started with our next article. Go for it. Zelda for 70 euro. <laughs> this coming from Forbes by author Chris Holt. Uh, even Nintendo is starting to charge $70 for games now, but there's a way to save on Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So Nintendo dropped a killer trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom to close out its latest Direct. Uh, one thing the company didn't mention during the stream was the price. However, Nintendo later said in a press release that the sequel to Breath of the Wild will cost $70, confirming earlier leaks. I don't know if you knew about that, Luke, but I think some might, might have even been the Nintendo eShop. They put it online available for pre-order at $70 and then immediately took it down. But a couple of people had screenshots and were kind of, yeah. you know, pretty pissed. Um, so back to the article. It's the first time the company has gone to that price point for the base version of a first-party Switch game. Of course, it's not the only major platform holder to make that jump. Sony has charged $70 for first-party PS5 games from the out outset. And going forward, Microsoft will ask fans to pay that amount for major games it's making primarily for Xbox Series X and S, making Games Pass even more of a good deal. Hell yeah. Forbes is speaking to the right guy here, you know. Uh, this pricing could be the new normal for Nintendo, especially as it looks towards the future and the Switch's successor. There is another option for now, though. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is a Nintendo Switch game voucher eligible. Nice. So for those who don't know, a voucher on the shop mm -hmm. uh, costs $100, or in our case, €100, Euros, and it allows users to claim two games from a catalog. So you could use one to snap up Tears of the Kingdom and get, say, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, or Super Mario Odyssey, or even something as recent as Fire Emblem Engage for the equivalent of $30. Uh, one caveat, you need a Switch online subscription to buy a voucher. So, my first question to you on that article, Luke. Is it acceptable for Nintendo to be charging $70 for a game that is on the technology, let's say, that switches? So, to put it in com comparison, Tears of the Kingdom is coming out for €70 Euro on the Switch. And that game will be, well, I mean, it'll be, in its own art style, will be beautiful. Horizon Forbidden West, God of War, Ragnarok, all these came out for the same price point. Is it too, means not the right word, is it the wrong choice by Nintendo? I'm sure they're covering costs because that game has been in development for so long that maybe it's a choice they made to cover costs. Now they have, sorry, they have come out and said, um, I forget where they had uh, had said it before, but they did say this is this won't be the norm going forward. I think it's yeah. obviously for a select portion of games. So maybe Tears of the Kingdom went way over budget in its production, whatever it might be. But at 70 quid, when you compare it to the likes of those big AAA games from Sony, is it okay? I say yes. <laughs> I say yes. You're here first, guys. It's okay. <laughs> I say, so that, that's the answer. That's your objective takeaway. Everybody write that down in your notebooks. There will be a quiz next week. Uh, no, it's it's fine. It's fine because Breath of the Wild is one of the best games I've ever played. And it was running on the exact same hardware that this is going to be running on. It runs better than most games adapted for the Switch. Like, yeah. I it is insane how they did adapt. When you think of the likes of the... Again, not to, not to rag on Pokemon, folks. <laughs> but but yeah. Scarlet and Violet playing on the exact same system ran like a, you know hot garbage. Yeah, the know? frame rate drops to just for when things are further away and stuff like that. Like Breath of the Wild was such a beautifully made, beautifully executed game. Gorgeous, 
so much fun. I've had countless amounts of hours, two playthroughs. I love it so much that if Nintendo say, look, next game is going to be 70 quid and that's just what we're charging because that's what we think it's worth. We're not going to do this for all our games. It's just for this one. Then I honestly don't have a problem with it. It's totally fine. And I would, my usual <laughs> my usual follow-up to that would be, oh, I'll just wait for it to go on sale. But it's Nintendo. It's Nintendo and never uh, will. never going to go yeah. on sale. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Like when I first heard that and it was before Nintendo had confirmed it, I, I was reading about the leaks that someone, people had screenshotted it, you know, had been put up early kind of before, just before, just after the Direct, I can't remember. Um, and I was quite disappointed by it for the simple fact that Tears of the Kingdom, as you just said there, will forever be yeah. 70 euro. Permanent price point. Yeah. yeah. Or I think for us, it's going to be 60 euro, but it's still a tenner more than we would have paid because the games would usually be 50 euro for the Switch, whatever it is, whatever the, the, the currency changeover will be. But basically, we're, we're all going to be paying 10 quid more for Zelda than uh, any other kind of first party Nintendo game on the Switch to date. Uh, Like, I think if you're a Zelda fan, I'm not a massive Zelda fan. I didn't play through all of Breath of the Wild. I played through bits of it. I've never experienced that game from start to finish. Not a huge Zelda fan. Not to say I don't like Zelda. I played like Ocarina of Time and Mask of Majora back in the day. But I was never a person to be like, I am dying for the next Zelda game on Switch. Like I wasn't pining for the first teaser trailer for Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. But as a guy who paid 70 quid uh last year for horizon forbidden west and then for god of war ragnarok and what those games looked like narratively what story they told i'm looking at this and kind of saying this to me would be acceptable if the game smashes it do you know what I mean if it comes out and it's it, you know it, it, it's good all around it's got its own art style so graphically will never i'll never be okay with it from a graphics perspective to say you're charging me the same as a game that looks like for horizon forbidden west on such a small console but it is zelda and you know if it's anything like breath of the wild breath of the wild was so renowned like i think did breath of the wild win game of the year that I year i actually don't know to be honest that was like 2016 2015 or something well it's good so it's like five or six years yeah so it was probably like yeah 2017 2018 thereabouts but yeah so i'd say if, I, if memory serves me correct i think it won game of the year that year uh following on from that tears of the kingdom if, if it if it knocks out of the park and wins game of the year and i don't mean to 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 to, to demand that of it but if it where to go on and do that i would say okay your 70 dollar price point is justified but there is a part of me that that feels hard done by by that because we are playing off the switch we're not playing off next generation console stuff you know we had a conversation with some of our mates before luke talking about like oh games are 70 quid now and i was like yeah but look what you're playing look what you're yeah. playing narratively look what you're playing graphically look what you're playing um in terms of how just the the gameplay is how, how much we've grown since ps4 games ps3 games and all that and i think at that bites me a little bit that it's 70 quid the same price yeah well, we'll see i guess time will tell hopefully it's not a you know another up and coming thing from nintendo the first party games will be 70 quid going forward i have a funny thing it's got to do with the way longer than expected production time to get this game out i think people expected like three years max after breath of the wild came out um but do you think can you see any other titles that nintendo would have going forward that would charge that i don't know no i don't think so because uh, a pokemon title is never going to do that mario even a mainline mario title like whatever the next mario game is going to be won't do that no i think they'll all stick up around the i think it will be i think tears of the goddess will be 70 quid for us 
because uh, I think most of the titles are 60 quid. Oh, so that's that's the change, right? That's, okay, that'll cool, be yeah. the change for us. Okay. Um, but I think they'll all stay around 60. Like, they release at 60, they stay around 60. Nintendo makes their bread. Uh, yeah, no, I can't, I, I can't see them doing it with anything else. I don't think they could get away with it with anything else anyway. Maybe, you know, I know I'm, I'm not too knowledgeable about the series, but I know people are clamoring for a Metroid Prime. Perhaps uh, the next one that of those. Would be, that would be, I, I would say, for the amount of time they've made people wait for that game, for mm-hmm. the amount of uh, fillers they've put in in the meantime, they would be asking for themselves to be shot if they charge <laughs> 70 quid for whatever, yeah, the next Metroid 4, yeah. whatever it is to come out. Yeah. But again, like you're, you're bang on. If, it's, if, if, if there's been such a hype and demand for it like there was for Zelda, the pressure's on to get a game like that done. And with Zelda, it took way longer than anticipated. So the bigger the game, the longer it takes, the bigger the budget or sorry the bigger you go over budget the more likely it is that maybe for certain games like that they'll have to charge it and i think it's sort of uh, back to my point that you know the nintendo have proven that they can do a zelda game on the switch properly yeah and to critical acclaim so i think yeah i think they have every right to charge 70 quid for this um and it'll sell how it sells. The market will speak for the market yeah. will speak to how good a decision that people was. will complain about the number, but it'll still sell like hotcakes. Yeah, like you know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, that brings us on to our last um, news item of the day. Uh, this is Apple TV Plus uh, has an mm. upcoming Tetris film, and this comes from Polygon by uh, Ollie Walsh. So. Apple has released the first trailer for its movie Tetris, which tells the extraordinary true story of the struggle between Western publishers, Nintendo, and the Soviet Union itself for the rights to Alexei... Oh my God, I'm going to absolutely butcher this name. Um, <laughs> Alexei Pajitnov's classic puzzle game. Oh God, I've definitely butchered that, but we, we, we move on. Um, Taron Egerton plays uh, Hank Rogers, the gaming entrepreneur who was instrumental in discovering Tetris and securing the console gaming rights, thus enabling its release on Nintendo's then-revolutionary Game Boy handheld. To do so, he had to negotiate directly with the Soviet regime since communist law dictated that the game belonged to the people of the Soviet Union um, rather than uh, Pajitnov himself. And all sorts of Cold War skullduggery ensued. It's an incredible tale that forms the centerpiece of David Sheff's classic book, Game Over, which chronicles Nintendo's early rise. The film, directed by John S. Baird, seems to take a pretty broad approach to the material, drenching it in 80s pop needle drops, car chases, for some reason, retro game effects reminiscent of the dreadful Adam Sandler vehicle, Pixels, and Ergerton tearing up as he, descri- tearing up as he describes the perfect game. Still, it's fun to see legendary figures of the early video game business portrayed on screen, such as odious British media tycoon Robert Maxwell, played by Roger uh, Allen, a smooth and Smooth Nintendo of America boss Howard Lincoln, played by Ben Mills, who gets a wonderful, wonderfully silly and dramatic Game Boy reveal, and terrifying Nintendo president Hiroshi uh, Yamuchi. Oh my God, these names! <laughs> Yamuchi, uh, played by uh, Togo Ogawa. So Tetris, which comes from Marv, the company behind the Kingsman, will stream on Apple TV Plus from March thirty first. Okay. Yeah. Do you think you'll go see this? Uh, I might watch it on Apple TV Plus. Did you watch the trailer? I watched the trailer. Yeah, I, I, it looks super goofy. And it looks super goofy, but it looks like it's a lot of fun too. It looks like it could be a lot of fun. I don't want to write it off entirely. The material is kind of, I, I, they could do a botch job of like telling the story. Is my only fear because I know I'm pretty sure Tetris was invented by a couple of guys, and one of them died a pauper like broke and alone right. and and the other one might be the guy that they're telling the story about so mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, I think I think the source material could be botched a bit and it could tell a pretty unfaithful telling, but it could be an entertaining movie and I'm not sure how much I care <laughs> in between those yeah. two lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'll give it a go. What do you think? I mean, I watched the trailer for it and it looks like a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of... So, my next question kind of to you on this article was... And I'll, I'll answer it first myself, I guess, because that's where I was going, was kind of which style of video game movie do you kind of prefer? The adaptations like The Last of Us or these kind of drama documentary style of movies that go to the history behind certain video games and i'm looking at this and you know i love you and me way back in the day i'll never forget we did like loads of research on the playstation 2 and like as a as an episode that we tried to do like fucking seven eight nine years ago now at this (laughs) stage look a decade ago almost and one of the fun things that we came across was the idea that playstation 2s when we're doing like funny stories was that um i think it was saddam hussein people had said was building a supercomputer out of playstation 2s (laughs) and it's all these kind of like really kind of niche stories that there's like some you know sprinkle of truth in there um and i love i could watch like document drama style movies about that kind of stuff all day long you know like the the you know the et game that almost broke the gaming oh, industry yeah. as a whole yeah, of course. i'd love to see like kind of like a proper drama you know like big production film all about that because you know that's the kind of video game media i eat up the likes of the last of us but like those kind of adaptations I love, they're very enjoyable. Like Last of Us has been class. But for me, it's that like, it's I love watching these things and learning something. Now, again, as you said, this is a situation where the hist- history behind Tetris and how it came to be could be botched, in which case, am I actually watching something yeah, that's historically yeah. accurate or not? But it's a fun thing to do. You should have been the idea. And I, like the trailer, because I never knew anything about the, the Tetris coming to Nintendo and the Game mm-hmm. Boy or whatever. I'm watching this. I was like, this surely can't be. But then the end of the trailer is like based on an extraordinarily true story. And I went online to have a little read and I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, it's actually negotiation with the Soviet Union over this game. You know, like back yeah. in the day, I was kind of like, that's a mental kind of story like that. Like the, you know, ET breaking video gaming, all those kind of obscure video game stories that I love to hear. So, yes, I'd be very excited to, I think, go see this. But I would love those, these things to be historically accurate i'd love to get the actual story as you said i don't want to have anybody thrown to the wayside who had an integral part to play in any of this yeah and their number one goal is to entertain us so they've no real obligation to tell the truth but you know there's enough i think there's probably going to be enough insanity in the story of what actually happened with like negotiating with the soviet union and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that could be played for a lot of comedy and a lot of fun and um it could be really interesting without them having to like steamroll over what happened um, my main source from that story comes from uh, John Green's podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed. He does an episode on, he usually tackles like two topics per episode and rates them. And one of the ones he tackles is Tetris in one of his episodes. You should give that a listen. Um, just, te- just Tetris as a, as a look at, as, as a, a whole? As a look at, and then he goes into the history of how it came to the US mm-hmm. and how you know the capitalistic US did everything they could to get their hands on it and bring it to a market. Uh, and that was, I guess, via Nintendo. Um, really interesting lesson. I would really highly recommend it. But yeah, it's kind of nice to see anything that sort of shines a light on video games and the video game industry and the passion behind it. And it's getting like, you know, I think of me enjoying games 10 years ago. I think of me enjoying games 20 years ago. And in all this time, and now that we're sitting down to do a podcast, our, a podcast ourselves, it just keeps growing just keeps yeah. growing and growing and growing like this year we've got the last of us adaptation which is like an absolute fucking huge hit like for people who aren't interested in video games at all it's great to see a story that was told through the medium of video game hitting people so hard 
who have no interest in games. Do you know what I mean? I think it opens up the, the, the world to like, oh, they're not just silly like Call of Duty, whatever else. There's there's actual depth and nuances to these things that, you know, kids or young adults or, or adults like us are playing these days. Um, I'd love to see that. The likes of a Super Mario movie coming out this year, this Tetris film. It's like all this on top of all the normal video game stuff that we're getting. It just, just keeps growing. So like, I'm, I'm loving it. Like, yeah. Keep it coming. Long may it continue, providing it's good. That's my only worry is that, you know, when I hear of the likes of um, Horizon coming to the TV screens and God of War coming to the TV screens. I'm like, okay, but please don't butcher these. Please because don't mess it up. Yeah, yeah, the popularity, with the popularity of these things becoming a success comes the possibility that the more you do, the more you saturate it, the worse they are, you yeah. know? But then you have like breakthroughs like The Last of Us that mm-hmm. set a bar for everything to follow. Like The Last of Us, I can't think of a more successful adaptation of a no. video game to date. And that's wonderful. It's so nice to see. So Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993. <laughs> that's, that's probably your okay, okay. Yeah, that's your all time. That's my bear. <laughs> <laughs> that's your bear. Uh, yeah, no, it's cool. Long may long may the passion, long may the success continue. Absolutely. So uh, listen, Luke. That was only five stories. Lots of other things happened in February. One of the things that we were kind of having a little chat about. I don't have any articles about it here, but one of the things that I'm quite excited by and still kind of him and on about is PlayStation VR two was oh, yeah. released this month and uh, it was also released with Horizon uh, Call of the Mountain on it as well and a li- list of, I think, there was 40 launch titles. Um, from my reading, for those who are interested, uh, who are listening and kind of, you know, like me, have never really dipped their toe into VR but have always considered it, reviews are mixed in the sense that it looks amazing, the technology is amazing, mm-hmm. but it's expensive and there's not that many games. That seems to be the general consensus. Are you surprised by that? Not at all. Mm. I know. I, I feel like that's my answer every time you ask me if I'm surprised. Never surprised, yeah. Darren. This guy, is, he, he knows his shit. Like, <laughs> cool you know, he can't surprise Luke. Like. Uh, no, it's just like VR is expensive I, and it's hard to make, like making games for VR is a very specific yep. type of game development. So... No, not surprised at either of those things. And I like, honestly, I like it when VR is expensive because it means, like, I, I, I say it's expensive. Like, this is 650 quid. It's more expensive than a PlayStation 5, potentially. True, but... Like, it, an accessory for a console being more expensive than the console, to me, from a layman thing, because I want it, I want to play it. Yeah. But to me, from a marketing perspective, and I, I'm mixed. So the price point's so expensive, it seems to me that they're investing in VR. Like they want it, they want the money back from it so they can invest in it and continue to make great games. But at the same time, I'm like, but you, how many people are you cutting out of this market? Yeah, I don't. I'm not even sure if that's the rationale. I think VR just it's is expensive. Is expensive. Yeah. Like if you look at the whatever Valve's like headset is the what like the whatever HTC's latest one is, the price points are around twelve hundred quid. Like. PlayStation is massively subsidizing this to get it as cheap as it is because yeah. it is really cutting edge technology as well. Like the displays are, uh, to my knowledge, the displays are fantastic on it. The, you have haptic feedback on all the controllers. And, and on the headpiece. And on the headpiece. Yeah. And not that that's like the most breakthrough thing ever, but the way it's designed seems like really, really solid for a VR headset. And it's it's breaking a lot of really cool ground. Um, And at 650, like for VR, that's, that's, that's actually kind of on the cheap side. I think the way to think about this is it's not an accessory. It's a proprietary console. 
Right. It's a console that requires you having another console. So, to Luke, do I, do, I, do I go and buy a PlayStation VR 2? No, just use my headset. I have a VR headset You don't upstairs. have a PlayStation VR 2. <laughs> I can't play Call of the Mountain on your headset, Luke. No, if you I can't. play Call of the Mountain on your headset, because that's it, because I'm just a Horizon fiend. Uh, funny thing, uh, Niall did send, uh, send me a video. Our pal Niall sent me a video, because uh, I keep talking about, will I, won't I, you know, mm-hmm. with the whole PlayStation VR 2. And he sent me a video, and it's a, it's a TikTok video, I think, and the top screen is... Uh, the horizon call of the mountain what this guy's actually playing in the bottom screen is him in the you know camera on him in the vr thing playing through it and one of my favorite quotes and it's it's just uh, that's why i want to experience it so much because i'm like oh, I, I can totally see where, where this guy's getting so excited he, he looks around and he just he loses and he's like oh my god it's the foliage the foliage <laughs> is amazing and that's the kind of things that would get me excited yeah. about playing vr like that kind of like immersiveness so yeah i think it's still i think um what playstation came out and said was that they had hoped to sell two million units by this point after sales i think they've only sold one million give or take. My yeah. figures could be wrong in that. Please feel free to correct us at the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at gift of gaming pod. I've gotten better at this. Week. If you listen to the yeah, last episode, I cannot get it together. <laughs> um, but yeah, tweet us or hit us up an email if we're wrong there. But yeah, I think, I think it, it looks amazing. And you're right. Actually, it's a good point that, that all those other VRs systems exist out there and they're pretty much double the price. They're so PSVR expensive. Yeah. yeah. And like PlayStation, I think, I don't think PlayStation are upping the price to make money. I think they've cut the price significantly to make it affordable. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just the figure that they landed on after negotiating between how much the hardware costs to produce and how much they want to sell it and how much they want to get into the market. Continue the success from the PSVR 1, mm-hmm. um, which was, from my understanding, was another miracle case of really good VR at a very affordable price I point. think to date, and that article, same article I was reading, I think to date the PlayStation VR 1 sold 5 million Ooh. units, which seems, is that... I don't know what you can sell. Some some games only sell 10 or 12 million copies. So I guess 5 million copies of a VR headset is probably in a... Maybe that's about right. I don't know. I'll have to, you know, ignore that I said. I'm just reading off an article. I'm just trying to remember so I could be yeah. completely wrong here. But yeah, I think it's the thing. It's, it's one of those things that I... Like my dream, Luke, is that when I'm fucking old and in a care home, you know that's going to bother me because I'll just be living in a fucking haptic feedback world of virtual reality, like you know. You'll be in one of those Wally chairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all I want, you know. <laughs> Playing Final Fantasy fourteen with my buds, you know. <laughs> having a having food on an IV to me, so I don't even have to eat. Like you know, that's going to be my future. So I I, I really want it to work because I'd love the idea of yeah. you know because being old is going to be hard, but it won't be so hard if I've got like a very successful or very um real virtual reality kind of uh, technology to to work in. That sounds sick. But that's the news. Uh, Luke, there's plenty of stuff we missed. Those are only like five or six items from a whole month of stuff that had uh, plenty of news about video games. Uh, if there's anything that you think we missed that we think we definitely should have uh, brought up, let us know at the Gift of Gaming Podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at Gift of Gaming Pod. There's no the and there's no cast. It's just at Gift of Gaming Pod. Uh, and of course, um, we would love it as well if you um, would consider, if you like the content and you want to hear more, myself and Luke are going to do a post show now in a moment and talk about what superhero, superhero powers from the MCU or DCU we would most like to live with. Let's and you can it. listen to that uh, by going through our patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming um, to uh, sign up there for the cost of a coffee every single month. You'll get a shout out on our show, uh, access to um, all our post shows and bonus content and early access to our gift of gaming club. Uh, we've got Hogwarts Legacy coming up this month. And on top of that as well, uh, we're hoping to set up a nice little Discord community for everybody to hop on board and chat about all the things they love uh, and what they believe are the biggest gifts from gaming. Luke, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Darren. Uh, looking forward to getting into this this post-show chat. And uh, Chris, feel better. 
And uh, to all our listeners, uh, thanks very much for sticking with us and keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Peace out. Bye.